What is up, Clitorati? Today, we have a doctor in the house. So we have actually taken a bunch of our Clitorati questions to ask our special guest today because she is a licensed clinical psychologist with a specialty in sex therapy and has been practicing being a psychotherapist for over 30 years. And not only... Is she a professional psychotherapist? This woman has been on the air for 28 years, starting on the love line and then her own show, Passion. She's also the director for the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center. You've seen her on multiple television shows, magazines, and you maybe even came across her book, The Sex Bible for People Over 50. Please welcome Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome. Wow, what an intro. I feel like on stage. <laughs> You're in the Clit Talk studio, doctor. I love that. I love that. <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have you. This has been this subject matter. We've been looking for the perfect person to bring on for so long because we get so many people asking us about this question. And obviously we don't, we are not the experts on this show. We bring in the experts and you are were the perfect person. So I was so excited when I found you and thank you so much for being here. Um, so we, we have limited time because she has got to get to work after this. So we're going to jump right into this episode with all the hard questions. So, um, one of the questions we get asked the most is around the resistance of, so a lot of our listeners are more open in the sexuality realm. So what would be your best advice to our listeners who want their partner to be open to explore their sexuality in new ways, but they're really just met with resistance? So part of that is how do we learn how to have um, sexual communication, right? Because sexuality we all come to it from a different space. So we all have different backgrounds, religious backgrounds, teaching. Some of us got sex education. Some of us got none. Some of us grew up in a very kind of restrictive religious homes where sex was a sin. You certainly never talked about it. So really, we have to also have compassion for where our partner is coming from. They're not resistant for nothing. They're, they got there for a reason. So if we can approach it with compassion rather than get upset because they're resisting it, then, you know, you, it's like the old saying, you can attract more with honey than, than, than vinegar. So I think that's part of it is how, how you approach that. I'd say most people are relatively open to trying new things when they feel safe in a space, in a relationship, when they don't feel judged. I think part of the resistance is like if the person on the receiving end of the request might say, am I not good enough? Is this not good enough? Is Are, are you bored with me? Uh, so they, they tend to look at themselves and say, is it because of me that you want to do X, Y, Z because I'm not enough. So that addresses another issue, which is a partner's, whether it's their security, self-confidence or what have you. So it opens up other areas that need to be looked at. It's not so straightforward when it comes to sexuality. It's so complex how we get here that you can't, you know, it's not just one thing and you just ask for one thing and, and there and, and you get a result. So we have to have the openness to kind of start exploring that and having discussions that go a little deeper than the surface of I want to, you know, uh, try uh, using sex toys and the partner says, 
I'm not comfortable with that. And why? And then they start going on in their heads and then they resist because they feel bad because they think there's something wrong with them. And why isn't my penis good enough? And, you know, all of this stuff. So that's what they're resist. That's the resistance is coming more from that. So if if uh, if we understand that and we approach it a little bit differently and we just say, let's talk about it, let's talk about some things that you would want to try or that, you know, some things that are definitely no no go zones for you. And we can make a list. We can like make it something that is fun. Maybe look at um, some reading material or look at erotica together and say, is that something you would ever want to do? Like, do you, do you ever think, you know, what do you think? Like, so just getting your partner to um, talk about what they think in general, rather than making it a personal thing, like, you know, uh, it's about me and you. So that's a good way to introduce something. So if, for example, you're somebody who's toying with the idea in your head of having an open uh, relationship or a consensually non-monogamous relationship, but you have you don't know what your partner thinks about that. You don't just spring it on them and say, how you know, would you want to do that? Like, how you know, how about we do that? It, that would that might like maybe they'll jump at it. Maybe say, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. But you need to find out first what they think. Like, mm-hmm. is it something that they ever even thought about? Like, what? Hey, what do you think about people who have, you know, like, what do you think about consensual non-monogamy? What do you think about people who do this or um, just curious to know what you think about this kind of stuff? And you might get answers like, oh, you know, I thought about that. Okay. So now you've got a little bit of an opening, you know, that they're open. Or if they say, I think people like that are sick and, uh, you know, and they're all judgy about it. Well, you're not going to be the one going up and saying, you know, I thought about that too. Then they're going to turn around and judge you for that. And then, and you can't take it back. At that. And then, then they're going to keep throwing it back at you. Oh, you really want to just cheat on me or, oh, you want to. So you have to be, you have to venture in there carefully by thinking about the other person mm. that you're addressing instead yeah. of just getting your needs met. You, you, you know, you have to, you have to figure out where they're at. Yeah. Test the waters. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's a way to be curious about your partner too. figure out where they are at in, in their sexuality and their thinking and their um, exploration and their fantasies and in their world mm-hmm. and their belief systems as well. So these are all things that are important to know before you start kind of just uh, going, you know, asking for things or suggesting things that may throw your partner off, you know, like I'll give you a, a good example. Like I had a client who had a fetish. So it was a, a diaper fetish, basically. And he would for was married and he was married for, I think, maybe 15 years or so. And he'd never told his wife about it. And he decided and he would do it in secret and whatever. But one day he says, damn it, I'm just going to you know, she loves me and I'm just going to tell her and hopefully, you know, she'll, uh, you know, she'll accept it and will be able to incorporate it into our marriage and da da da. So he didn't bother to check to see how she felt about fetishes in general or anything of the sort. He just kind of threw it out. He just opened up the door and said, by the way, uh, and she couldn't get past it. And it's a a couple that ended up divorcing. Um, Yeah. And she just couldn't get past that. And she felt, 
you know, A, he was hiding something from her. He never told her about this. That's true. But oftentimes these fetishes are hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, but he never checked to see what her openness was. And then after the divorce and when he got into another relationship, he went into the relationship already disclosing his fetish. So mm-hmm. he went looking for somebody who he already knew would accept his fetish. And then it became an, it wasn't an issue. So, so let me ask you this. So if let's say someone, do you think that patient had he sort of tested the waters, it might've ended up differently. So I'm just imagining someone who's listening right now, who's maybe in a monogamous marriage or is, you know, basically questioning their sexuality. I'm thinking maybe a woman, right? Who's married to a man, but she realizes she's bisexual or she was, and she's never really told him about that. What if you start to test the waters and there is a lot of resistance from your partner? Is there a way to ease it in or is or do you, is it kind of like it's not yeah. going to work? I mean, it's, you know, like in that that situation. So a woman maybe who's known she's bisexual, but has never said she was bisexual to her partner who suddenly comes up and says, by the way, I am bisexual. And like you're going to be dealing with uh, feelings of betrayal. Mm. Like, because you hid a very important part of you from me. I thought I knew you and now you're throwing this at me and I feel like I don't know you. That doesn't mean a couple can't get past that because they can, right. uh, but they might need an external party to help them kind of navigate these waters. Because what happens if somebody says that the partner jumps to, does that mean you're going to leave me? Right. It it starts to trigger Mm. something else. So it can trigger a feeling of abandonment. It can trigger rejection. It can trigger other things. And that's what's coming into play at that point. Not the fact that this woman might be just simply by curious or doesn't want to leave her husband, but may want to explore with his blessing, let's say, or his participation, another woman. And I've seen this play out very nicely where women uh, realize that they are, you can realize later that you're bi-curious saying, you know, it's something I would like to try, but their marriage or their relationship is the priority. So uh, they don't want to do something that's going to harm the relationship so they can bring it up and say, you know, I have... I am curious, like I don't, you know, I'm curious, but I'm not willing to risk our marriage over it. But is there a way that you can see where we can compromise on this or where I could explore it with you there? And then I, you know, some couples will bring in a, another woman into the mix where the other woman is bisexual. So the guy gets to have sex with another woman and she gets to have sex with the woman. I've seen situations where they go into, uh, they decide a couple may decide to explore by going to a swingers club, for example, mm-hmm. and just observe at the beginning. So they agree to just observe. So, but you have to be able to talk about this kind of right. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. For sure. If you can't talk about it, you shouldn't be doing it. Well, yeah. you know, except, yeah, I've often said that. <laughs> how many people do you know talk about it before they do it? <laughs> they just, you know. Yeah, right. That's oh not my how it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so another another hot topic um, that was such a great, I you, re- you framed that so amazing, is attraction, right? Especially if you've been with somebody for a while, um, you know, on both ends, like 
maybe the woman has a baby and her body changes or she's gained a little weight and she's afraid her partner's not attracted to her. We actually also had a female listener write in um, and say, you know, any advice on not being sexually attracted to your husband? She said, I never want to have sex. And when we do, I hate every minute and I can't wait for it to be over. I can't even remember the last time we properly kissed. It's not like I don't get turned on. I do. And I pleasure myself um, really frequently. We have kids, so it scares me that maybe the relationship has run its course or do I just suck it up and continue with how everything is? Maybe a lot of married people with kids feel the same. Are there ways to get the sexual spark back? We've been doing Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new Clitorati, and we still have our consistent OG Clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the no BS guide to self-pleasure and sexual intimacy. And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to 100 real quick and blow any partner's mind in bed. Included in this banging free gift is two free audio trainings, self-pleasure is self-love, and our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes and a fan favorite from our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing. Oh, yeah. So to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide because Clitorati, it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. That's a big loaded question. I know. <laughs> um, first of all, there's a lot of missing information, right? Like yeah. and this is this is a couple that need, or she should get some therapy at least for herself to try and figure out what is going on for her. Mm. Because when we look at loss of attraction towards a partner, it isn't about the physical because mm. we all age, we all get, you know, we all sag, we all like, we all get wrinkled, whatever. We're not going to be as attractive as we were when we first met and uh, what have you, but that's not where the attraction lies. The attraction goes far deeper than that. Mm. So um, something else is happening here. I would want to find out what is, you know, you can't like, if you're aversive to your partner, what is, what's happening in here, in your heart, in your head, that's turning you off your partner. So forget about being attracted. What's turning you off. So oftentimes it's a symptom of things going on in a relationship. So whether um, there's a lot of resentment built up in that marriage, uh, I don't know what kind of marriage they have, but that would be worth looking at and, and to see. So oftentimes that's what it is. And I can tell you that for women to stay interested in sex, like I, I did a TED talk on this actually about how um, 
the desire can change and can go from spontaneous at the beginning where you, you can't keep your hands off each other. And then later on, especially for women, their desire is more responsive, which means that they their desire kicks in after they get stimulated. So women actually have to make a choice to be sexual. Mm. But, so, but in this case, she's let's say she chooses to be sexual and she's disgusted by it. That goes far beyond what we're talking about in terms of your average couple that just needs a little get up and go to get up and go right it's it's that's the the difference here so this in this case something deeper is definitely happening and you know you can't go back like people often will say how do we go back to the beginning how it was in the beginning and i and my answer is always like do you can you get your virginity back no can you have more than one beginning of anything no there's one beginning that's it. So right. the beginning of a relationship is always most of the time exciting. And every time you get together, you can't keep your hands off each other. You're horny all the time. You're, you're not, you know, you're not eating. You're not like, like there's all those feelings, right? But that's, we're talking about a rush of chemicals that happen because of something new and exciting and all of that. But over time that wanes somewhere between the six month, 18 month range that will wane and we're no longer there. So that doesn't mean you've fallen out of love. It means that your love has changed. Now mm -hmm. your love goes into another level and a deeper level where intimacy is more important than the sexuality, where mm -hmm. connection is more important. It's not about getting off. It's about connecting with your partner. So in the situation you read, there's a disconnect between those two people. Mm -hmm. And so she's, you have to connect outside of the bedroom if you want to connect in the bedroom. So mm -hmm. if they're not connected outside. They can't, they don't make out. They don't touch. There's no, where's the affection? Where's the, the dates? Where's the bit of romance? Where's all that stuff? If none of that is there, she, why would she expect herself to be, completely open, vulnerable, and eager to have any kind of sexuality. So, you know, she, I always say like, if you want the way to a woman's vagina is through her heart, like go to her, like, how do you warm her heart? Like, what are you doing that warms her heart that makes her open to, um, to being sexual and, and, and wanting to be close with you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We always say that communication is lubrication. Yes. <laughs> right. That's a great way, great way of putting it. <laughs> what would be your advice for, for couples who just, just want to get a spark back? There's not necessarily like the lack of attraction, like the, like the um, clitorati that we just read from, like what would be some tips that you would give for couples other than communication? If they're just want to like get back into okay. it. Right. Um, and you're going to hate what I have. To, some people will hate what I have to say, but planning, Plan, yes. planning it is really important <laughs> because of the way we live our lives. So when we have job, you know, especially women, jobs, children, household, husband, like how many jobs do we need to do? We're doing more than one. So, you know, get finding the time. Most women will say by the time the nighttime comes around, I'm just wiped out. I'm exhausted. Da, da, da. You know, and it's easy when you're living with someone to say, let's just do it tomorrow. And then you, you know, tomorrow comes, let's just do it tomorrow. And then by the next thing, you know, there's been like 40 tomorrows, you know, so you have to be, you have to be able to put it on your radar, but it also means you have to, you have to look at why you're doing this. 
So you're doing this because sex is pleasurable. You like, why deny yourself pleasure? It's like denying yourself fun. It's like denying yourself a vacation, denying yourself a, why would we do that? That's just insanity. I don't know. Why do we do that? <laughs> but, I, but yet I do this all the time. I do it all the time. I mean, we, we all do it. So, I, you know, let's normalize it a little bit. But if we want not to do it, we have to plan for it. The same way that if I, you know, said to you, okay, I need you to plan a day at the spa. Like, don't wait, you know. we've all been guilty. I've been guilty for a birthday. I got a spa day and it took me two years to redeem it. You know, it's like, (laughs) what's wrong with me that I, right. So we have to get past that. Right. And we have to also know the other motivation is that it's good for us. It's good for our marriage. It's good for our relationship. So you don't want to neglect your relationship in all of this. So um, planning it, Planning it like you would a a weekend away, uh, planning an evening of fun, uh, whatever it is, like just plan an evening of intimacy. It doesn't even have to be full on intercourse or what have you, but time where you just focus on each other, where there's some nudity, where there's kissing, where there's whatever it is. Uh, and that helps. Now, I had I had a conversation with another couple and he said, well, it's a turnoff for me if it's planned. And I said, OK, easy solution. Let her plan it, not tell you. And then we can do it. And oh, goes, okay, I like that. I like now, that. Yeah. So uh, just for the person who's always willing. OK, you don't you, they don't need to know that you've planned it. Mm. That's good. I love that. So another another really hot topic with our our listeners is body image and in terms of like how it could be impacting your what you perceive your partner's attraction to you is or what or if it actually is impacting and sort of your confidence to even feel sexy. Do you have any advice around, you know, body liberation journey and how we can transmute that? I have a little bit of that. So um so most of us, uh, we feel worse about ourselves than even our partners aren't even close to feeling that about us. That's the thing. We don't recognize that they do not see the things we see. We are our worst critics. We look in the mirror. We find every wrinkle, every bulge, every, you know, everything. They don't see that. Oftentimes they just see naked, yum. That's it. Like that's all, that's all I, you know, give me some skin, give me boob. I don't care if the boob is here, there, you know, <laughs> what level is that? And yeah. Who cares? You know, yeah. they care far less. So the advice I give to women is try and look at yourself from the eyes of your partner. Try and see how your partner sees you. Your when your partner is with you and they're aroused by you, they're aroused by you, right? So try and look at how they perceive you mm-hmm. uh, and put yourself in, in, in their shoes instead of try- looking at yourself in the mirror. So, I mean, it, that's where I think is a good beginning. I have a colleague of mine who, and you people can look this up, but maybe you'll have her as a guest, who, who developed this concept called erotic empathy. Right. Mm. So it's exactly that is in very, you know, simple terms, but getting looking at yourself from the eyes of the other person. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, we would love to have Ron. That's that sounds amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Very, he, very healing. Very healing. It's very healing. And it's uh, also you've got to 
have realistic expectations and you, I think we have very unrealistic expectations about ourselves. I think we compare ourselves all the time to the wrong things. You know, we compare ourselves to all the people we see on Instagram. Of course, they're all filtered. Photoshopped. <laughs> exactly. Then we compare ourselves to the porn stars, but they're porn stars. Then like, it's just not reality. And Honestly, our partners want real. They don't want fake. They don't want the fantasy. The fantasy lives in the head and that's fine, but they want you, the real you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, my partner totally reflects that back to me. He's like, when you're just like being expressed and you're happy, it turns me on. There you like, go. When you're not happy, like you, your vibration changes. So I don't think for, for my partner, especially it's so little about looks to begin with we're also uh into year halfway into year seven so you know it's we're way past the we're past a couple of curves in our relationship so what you said earlier really resonated about there's a certain point in the relationship where the arc shifts the love it's not that you fell out of love it's just that the love has changed Mm -hmm. and what's more important than the sexual connection is the connection and connect outside the bedroom before you connect to even be able to connect inside the bedroom. Yeah. I, I love that. Trigger. So what, what would be some, like, do you have any suggestions of, you know, outside of intercourse, like what are some ways to be intimate or like create, cultivate intimacy with your partner so, other than sex? <laughs> oh, there's plenty of ways, but um, there's research that's that be, uh, been done on this that looks at the couples that seem to have, that are the happiest sexually and and what have you are couples who share experiences outside of the bedroom. So like doing things together, traveling mm-hmm. together, exploring together, exploring a new activity. You don't have to spend tons of money. You could just explore a new, a new part of a neighborhood. You could uh, you know, whatever it is, that's something new that you can share something that you can be passionate about also. Like I really truly believe that leading a passionate life as an individual, you bring that into everywhere. You bring that into your relationship. You bring that into your bedroom. If you are miserable in your life, I mean, stands to reason you're not going to be completely, you know, positive and let letting go and everything else in the bedroom. So it starts with the you, with the self and, enjoying life as a self rather than just as a couple and Mm. then uh, doing things as a couple and cultivating that and and so on. So um, it, it, it does require sometimes a mind shift and it requires really, you know, I love the idea of like empowering and empowering women and, and making them owners of this, right? Like you own this, you don't need a relationship to be, happy, to be passionate, to be fulfilled, the relationship adds to that. It doesn't become that. Yeah. So, yeah. And everything awesome. you just said goes right back to the planning. Like when you have <laughs> kids and when you have, you know, you want to carve out time for yourself, time to like be all these versions, all these hats that we wear throughout our life. And I'm just taking it back to that planning because we do desire yeah. road mapping. That's yeah, what we coach and- our clients on. And and also you're well you do you do plan for self care right when you want to get your nails done you call yep. up a manicurist and you make an appointment and you're spending an hour with her well you can't plan twenty minutes with your husband 
Right. 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 It's 20 minutes. So, you know, figure it out, like put it on your schedule and make your partner feel that they're important enough that you, they are on your schedule now. Okay. So, but then there's, okay. So I think for most people, we have sort of this assumption that, okay, the women are the ones you you said before we need to choose to have sex because we get turned on once we're in the moment. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly yeah, how you for, said it. A good chunk of women in long-term relationships. Yeah. So what happens if your male partner, like let's say you plan it out and you go to do it and he's not in the mood or you have a hard time and it's sort of a consistent thing where maybe... I don't know so if he's get rejected. So it, right. And I yeah. do see that, by the way, I do see that quite a bit where yeah, the, it's the man who has low desire and the woman who feels rejected or, or uh, yeah, turned down for sex. So when that's happening, I want to know why. Like, I want to know mm-hmm. what's blocking the desire. Well, I, like I know that for women, this kind of happens to most women naturally, but it, the other in the reverse, it happens about 25% of time. So not, not consistently okay. to most, but so, but usually what I'm noticing is in those men, they, how they experience stress is a big factor. So uh, mm. we have to look at all the other mental health issues that contribute to, um, low libido and and things like that so anxiety depression we know those things absolutely impact uh libido medications is the is the guy on any medication has there been any changes lately in Mm -hmm. his career uh sleeping issues um uh you know uh, health issues all kinds of things have an impact so you want to dig, like you want to find out, okay, and, and be collaborative about it, right? In other words, be able to say, not just I'm upset with you because you keep rejecting me. Let's figure this out. I miss you and I miss our time together. And I'm sure you do too. Let's figure out what's going on. And when you have a collaborative approach like that, then you call up the therapist together and you say, let's just go talk to somebody one time and see if that helps. And, you know, and then it clarifies things and the person asks the right questions. And then you realize, oh, yeah, you know, and then that so adjustments can be made at the workplace, for example. Maybe the adjustments don't have to do with the bedroom, but they have to do outside of the bedroom. So you need uh, to figure that out. Are are some men like are there there's things that you can do like cuz I know I've experienced this with my partner where he kind of says he's not in the mood, but then once we get going, he he also gets turned on in the moment. Is that does that sometimes happen for men? Is there anything we can do because I think for men there's this stereotype that they need to be instantly rock hard and instantly turned on. Like, is there anything for us who are in, you know, cis relationships, female to male, that we can do for the man to um, get them in the mood without having them feel pressured, I guess is my question. Yeah, well, you, it's up to you not to pressure them, but you can say to them, they might say, oh, I'm not in the mood. You can say, okay, just give me two minutes. You know, just play with it. Just just be fun about it, you know? Okay, okay. You know, okay, challenge accepted. Give me two minutes, you know? And then if it doesn't, if you're still really not in the mood, then then we'll just cuddle on the couch. And okay. That's okay. Right? I like so, that. I like you that. You don't have to 
because the worst for them is when they feel they're disappointing you. Mm. So then, then you can get performance anxiety. And then if they're like, oh shit, I can't get it up. Like what's, what's she going to say? I don't want to upset her. Da, da. Then they start avoiding sex altogether in that case. Got so because they don't want to disappoint you and they don't want that to see that hurt on your face and they don't want to see you get upset and they don't want to get mad. So um, that's, you know, but if you make it playful and very accepting of it, it's like, okay, you don't have to be in the mood. Like, no, yeah, but just give me a second, you know, and let, let's see if I can get, let, I'll accept that challenge. So, and if you do it playfully like that, then you, you might have way better results than if you roll your eyes or you go, <sighs> or whatever it is, reaction you have. Right. Like mm. being fun about it versus being the way that would trigger the disappointment out of that person, like being resigned or annoyed or like, how dare you? Transmuting it in kind of a kink. Yes. (laughs) Transmuting the disempowering conversation into a kink. I kind of did do this the other day. I kind of, not knowingly, I, with my partner, I wanted to, you know, give him oral sex. And I was like, will you just let me try and experiment? I heard about this thing that's really cool. And I just started sucking his dick and he sort of laughed, but it worked because normally he doesn't let me like, it was, I was like, it's the same kind of concept. He was like, this is your experiment. I'm like, yeah, I heard it was this cool thing that people are doing. Yeah. We're like, we have a podcast and people listen to me like, we listen to this show. I know this girl was talking about this thing called blowjobs. I thought I would try it. That's right. Uh, so that was yeah, <laughs> so. So this is great. So we definitely want to make time to talk about your book, okay? And we have a question from. So your book is. Um, it is. It is all about sex after, like sex. Your sex advice for after fifty. Now we had an interesting question that can kind of segue us into talking about your book. Now this came from a listener who is not fifty, but I'll just read the question. So she said, she's a nurse in her early thirties, and about four or five years ago, around the time that she went through, she experienced burnout syndrome, and she went into premature ovarian failure. Um, and it essentially is like early onset menopause and it left her libido and her vaginal health of a woman in her fifties. Um, it's completely changed her sex life and her sexuality. Um, and what she wanted to know was what, the, what would be your advice to start embracing her sexuality again now that she basically is like, you know, so I think that you were the perfect person to answer this and we want to get into more of the juicy details of your book. So... So part of that, so she, unfortunately, in that situation, going into like that kind of uh, uh, ovarian failure, it's almost like getting a hysterectomy, like getting your ovaries removed and drastically, drastically ending up in menopause. Whereas for most women, there's a gradual decline. And so it's not experienced as a immediate before and after. Uh, So that's a lot harder. And I I feel for her because she's young and it's a lot harder to to handle. Most of us have time to adjust to that. But um, what my my book does talk about what happens with the, you know, what happens in in changes in the body with the the reduction of estrogen and testosterone and all of that stuff, which is going to happen to all women anyway. But we all experience the symptoms differently. But one thing that happens with the lack of estrogen is vaginal dryness. Now, not every woman experiences the same level of vaginal dryness, but the goal of the book is to show you that there are treatment options for all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. So in her case, 
I would say speak to your uh, gynae about getting estrogen um, cream, vaginal cream, mm. where it's right into the vagina, or maybe she's a candidate for hormone replacement therapy or testosterone therapy or something to get that going because she's a little young to have no estrogen at all. So right. that would be something I would want to, you know, uh, work on first and foremost is the physical aspect. The other part is the mental aspect. So, and they tie in together, right? So uh, you can have no hormones and be sexual, a sexual person. We're all sexual beings. So how we define or how we express our sexuality might be different. So let's say you're older or even younger and you, ex you have conditions like vaginismus or you experience vaginal pain and you can't have intercourse. That doesn't stop you from being a sexual person. You can be sex your whole, you have an entire body that is sexual, not just a vagina that's sexual, right? So, um, for someone like that, making, you know, using sex toys to increase the stimulation on the clitoris is really mm -hmm. important. Making sure they use uh, lubricant um, and stimulating the desire by external things, like either by stimulation, by visuals, by reading erotica, by mm. like just stimulating the brain a little bit when it comes to, uh, you know, at least to, to get some libido in there. Mm, yeah. One of my new favorite uh, discoveries is audio porn. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we do have um, a fair number of our listeners who are over fifty, and we really want to know, like, what can we expect for the years after turning fifty? Because we hear they can actually be the best. <laughs> they are the best, and they can be the best for various reasons. First of all, you get your freedom back, <laughs> so your kids leave the house. <laughs> You can have sex wherever the hell you want, when you want. Yeah. You don't have to worry about them, you know, hearing you. So there is a certain level of freedom for that. Mm. Um, yeah, the whole Freedom 55, you get to travel what you want. Traveling means that you get to have more sex because you're outside of that. You know, you're creating that, what I was talking about, that passion and whatever. So there's the, the actual components of that. Obviously, you know, we're talking about people who are in healthy marriages and haven't built up a lot of resentment and aren't in that, that are in happy places uh, in their lives. If you're not, then you might want to, it might be a good time to seek out marital counseling and, and figure out how to become better and how mm. you can improve your relationship because for a lot of couples who have focused on their children most of their marriage and who find themselves alone with no kids around and no more kid responsibilities they don't they've lost touch with who are we to each other you know like who are you and who am I like what's my role what's your role and so you don't want to lose sight of the couple that's really really important mm. from from early on so that by the time you're you're in the empty nest time you're you're looking forward to it it's like yay get out kids like you know we've got our freedom back so part there's that there's um you also want to start uh, i talk about uh, expanding your definition of sexuality i think it's really important that we don't look at sex as intercourse Mm -hmm. There's so many ways of being sexual that do not require a penis inside a vagina, you know? And when we hear the word sex, what do you think? Most people think intercourse. Intercourse. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. not what sex is about. And as long as a couple maintains sexuality, 
So you think about it as sexuality, not sex. So when you maintain a level of sexuality through touch, through making out is sexuality, you know, uh, uh, just caressing is sexuality. If you can maintain all of that, that's what carries you into the long term. Those are the things that are more important than, uh, you know, the few minutes of thrusting and having an orgasm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What, what, what advice do you have for, let's say there's a couple or maybe, maybe, so let's see, let's two, two different scenarios. Maybe there's someone who's single and over 50 and maybe, and maybe there's a couple who, um, you know, they're single, they haven't had sex in a while or a couple that kind of let their sexuality go. Is there a way to, what's your best advice for bringing it back? If they're like, okay, I, I, I want to revamp, I want to revamp my sexuality and bring it back in. So in a couple, um, you're right, like after many, sometimes many years of not having sex, it's a very awkward, uh, they feel like they barely know each other, right? It's like, it's a very awkward thing to start engaging in. So mm-hmm. I get those couples to start off really, really slowly. So they, it's almost like back to the basics, you know, let's, we start off by holding hands. We start off by cuddling on the couch. We start off by just lay, laying naked next to each other. And mm-hmm. getting comfortable with each of those things. Yeah. You know, then we get more comfortable kissing. Then we get more comfortable with sensual touch. Then we, and then we bring in the genitals. But, you know, it could take a while to get there. But what we are looking for is intimacy and connection. And you can do it. I've, I've seen it done. Like, it, it is absolutely very possible when there's love there. And when you can, unco- when you can get rid of the, crap also that tends to pile up sometimes you need to figure out what's what's the crap and how do we get rid of it right like what am i resenting what am i what have i been carrying for years what like you want to get shed all of that because that hurts you not just the relationship but also you so those are some of the things that you want to work and i really like i do i recommend marriage counseling for you know you don't have to be in a, a major crisis to seek out counseling. You might just want to be better at communicating and better at, at just at sexual communication and, uh, and, and learning how to really listen and how to be more compassionate and all of these things simply because you want a better relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is there any truth? And if you don't use it, you lose it like physically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, the, the vagina is a muscle, The penis is a muscle. Like, what do muscles need? They need blood. The nurse can tell us, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you need blood flow to areas if they don't, if otherwise they atrophy. I always like you put your arm in a cast for six months and then you take the cast off and you compare the two arms. You're going to have one that's much thinner. You're going to have an atrophy. So what do you think? The same thing can happen to a vagina. It can atrophy if there's not, if it's not getting use, but the use doesn't have to be with a partner. It can be self-pleasure. It It can be, it it just has to be, the blood has to keep flowing. But do do you have to like, (laughs) because of the way that the muscle works, like if if you're not actually putting a penis in it, should you be putting like a phallic shaped object in it to keep it going? (laughs) It's a, it's a good idea. Like, you know, it's a good idea, but it's not, but as long as the blood is flowing, like you keep the juices flowing, then it keeps the vagina in good shape. 
So you so, could just be like clitorally stimulating yourself and yeah. that's fine. You don't have to like, okay. No, you don't have to, but you know, maybe after you haven't had sex in a long time, it might feel somewhat tight or somewhat uh, foreign to you, but you know, you'll soon adjust. Like the vagina is a beautiful thing. Like it so it's, all kinds. So it's not permanently lost. Like you can reinvigorate your vagina after years. You can, but be careful because if it atrophies, it's hard to get it back. You're not going to get it back to where it was, right? Oh, so wow. things happen to our vaginas. They do, they do, um, they shorten, like, you know, it will change. So you might have to readjust how you have sex. So certain positions you liked may not work now. Okay. Uh, you know, some things drop also in your pelvic floor as you age. So now suddenly your bladder is closer to your vagina. So you're feeling it more or, you know, so there are things, but there are things to be done. You can see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Those are excellent. And you should actually interview them. They're amazing when it comes to sexual pain and whatever. Mm. Um, they're an, an amazing uh, uh, discipline that, uh, you know, it's relatively new discipline in physiotherapy, but so useful. And, um, and that really helps older women and women after giving birth and, and what have you to gain control of all of that musculature in, uh, in the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. That's amazing. And I, I know that, you know, especially as we get older, we go through a lot of different hormonal changes. Like what exactly happens? How does that impact your sexuality? And is there any way to sort of with, you know, in the transition of your sexuality, is there any way to ease that transition or to um, help it? Well, hormones is only one part of your sexuality. And most of it, I say, goes on between the ears. So, Mm -hmm. yes, it's true. Your libido may go, may wane, may go down, whatever. It doesn't necessarily disappear. It's just kind of in it's it's in a neutral zone, you know, and then you just have to activate it. Um, So you may not want it as much. It may not, but that doesn't mean you can't have as much pleasure. Your pleasure might feel differently. You might need more stimulation to get there. Just like men will need more direct uh, penile stimulation to get this, you know, to get an erection, their erections will not be as hard as they were uh, 20 years prior, but they're, they're still able to penetrate. So if you just have to be aware that the book, I wrote that book so people will have the information. You said earlier, information is power. So having being armed with that information, knowing that these are kind of expected changes, normal changes, much less of a panic situation, right? Like I see a lot of people who come in because they're panicked about stuff. Mm. So, you know, uh, this way they, they know, okay, there's stuff I can do. This is normal. I don't need to panic about this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, and so one last question for you, your book, it's, it's, if there was one thing that our listeners really need to know from your book, obviously they should all go out and read it. But if there's one thing that you really wanted to leave our listeners with from your book, what would it be? It would be that you should not give up on sex, that you should not give up on pleasure. That would be a big mistake. Uh, and do everything you can to keep sex alive in some form or another in your relationship, in your life. So, you know, I just, so many times I hear people who say, oh, I'm 60, who needs it, been there, done that, I'm too old already, I'm too old. 
you're too old. You're young. Like you've got <laughs> 20 years at least ahead of you. I mean, I met a 95 year old man who bought my book and he was still sexually active. Nice. Yeah. I was like, okay, good way to go, dude. Like you are the example, you know, it doesn't die. We're, we don't, we're not 95 in our heads. Right. Only in our bodies. So keep young. And I love it. New, going. new, new life goals. That's the way I want to go right after an <laughs> orgasm, naked in bed next to the love of my life. <laughs> I want to go out with a bang. 98 years old. <laughs> yeah, 98, yes, exactly. For my hundredth birthday, I want an orgy. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> uh, well, um, thank you so much for I coming know. on today. This was so informative. We are so lucky to have had you to answer all of our listener questions and to come here and talk about your incredible book and your practice. Um, we really appreciate it. Can you please um, remind our listeners where, where the best place for them to follow you, to potentially work with you, um, and the best place to get your book, the best way to, to keep in touch with you? <laughs> So um, my website is drlaurie.com. So D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. And you'll have information about my book, which is available on Amazon. It's also uh, uh, as an ebook as well, although it has colorful nude pictures. So you might want to have it in paper format. Um, you can follow my podcast is Passion with Dr. Lori, which is available on all podcast platforms. You can follow me on Instagram. The um, You can go to Passion with Dr. Lori. Uh, on Instagram or Dr. Lori Petito and follow me there, which I'd love to have you. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. My TED Talks, you can get on YouTube and yeah. Amazing. It's been such an honor to have you with us today. Thank you so Thanks much. Um, such an incredible conversation. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So um, thank you. And Clitorati, with that, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.